Are you a real know-it-all? Do you annoy your family by shouting the answers while watching Jeopardy? Do you drive people crazy when you start a sentence with, well, actually? Well, guess what? You can go fact yourself. Everyone, welcome to Go Fact Yourself, the show where we take the smartest people we know and make them look dumb and then smart again. I'm Helen Hong, and now from the Angel City Brewery in downtown Los Angeles, here's our moderator, J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. Thank you, everybody. What a nice, smart, handsome, attractive, pleasant smelling crowd. Are they pleasant smelling? They don't smell terrible. No, it's yeah. true. There's no AC here, and yet I, I am not complaining. <laughs> it's good. Uh, how are you, Helen? I'm good. I'm hoping that I'm pleasant smelling, because I'm already schwitzing a little bit. It's a little schwitzy in yeah, here. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but it's how, okay. It is. How, yeah. how, how is your Yiddish uh, coming along? I know uh, you've been studying know, on Duolingo. Uh, I know uh, schwitzy. Mm -hmm. And I know Yenta. Uh-huh. I mean, I grew up in New York City, so, right. you know. The I'm, home of schwitzy Yentas. Yeah, like... Yeah. I'm probably 35% Jewish already. Oh, Mazel Tov, as my people say. Thank you. Yeah, I'm 100% Jewish. Oh. 102 if you're lucky. <laughs> I don't even want to know what I that I don't know means. what it means either. <laughs> uh, hey, let's do this. Today on Go Fact Yourself, two guests will compete to answer questions about facts they know, facts they might not know, and frankly, facts they should know. Plus, we'll meet actual experts on two very different topics. And finally, we'll declare one of our guests the winner of today's show. Let's get started and meet today's guests. Helen, who is up first? He is a writer who created the podcast Bubble and who co-hosts the podcast Jordan, Jesse Go, both on the Maximum Fun Network. It's Jordan Morris. Jordan Morris. Woohoo! Hi, Jordan. Have a seat there. Hi, Jordan. Oh, shaking hands with Helen. I believe you were the first guest to do that. What smells great in here? <laughs> oh. It's you. It's Helen's you natural great. musk. Wow. Yes. <laughs> what a musk. I was like, you know, it's starting to smell. And then you hit the stage, and I was like, now it smells delightful. Oh. Uh, cut it out. <laughs> yes. Really, okay. that, that's what every podcast needs is, is smell cues. Yeah. Um, speaking uh, of podcasts. I'm not yeah. paid to endorse them, but if you guys want to try Rite Aid Body Wash. <laughs> <laughs> Cheaper than Dove. <laughs> Is that what it says on the label? Yes, it does. Yeah, yeah. With a little asterisk that says not endorsed by the Dove. But, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Not in, and not endorsed by Jordan Morris. Okay. It's, on the, it's on the bottle now. But what? should be. Yeah. yeah. Now, do you prefer a body wash or, or a bar soap? Here's, here's, you know what's weird? Here's I've, something I've, fun I've written about this question <laughs> down in my notes to yeah, ask you. Wow. I'm so glad it came up. Here's something fun about me. Sure. I like to alternate. <gasps> Whoa. So I got a bar. What? And I got the wash. What? And I just, I get in the shower. Yeah. Well, first I take off all my clothes. <laughs> oh, naughty. <laughs> 102 if you're lucky. <laughs> Do you know what that means? No, I don't. Okay, good. No one does. No We're one all does. in agreement. But why is it making me horny? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. So, you know, take off my clothes, get in the shower, yeah. and I just think to myself, am I in the mood for a bar or am I in the mood for a wash? Interesting. And it's like a last minute game time decision. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love that. And where, what, what were you today? Guys. Yeah. <laughs> I was a bar. Oh! <laughs> fun and have a lot going on. <laughs> Uh, oh, oh, you ready for a segue? Speaking of soap, let's talk about bubble. Shazam! What? Boo! I'm leaving. <laughs> I've got a drum circle to be at. <laughs> uh, uh, bubble yes, is a very to. successful uh, sci-fi yes. scripted podcast. It is a scripted that podcast. you've been promoting on the Maximum like, Fun Network. Much like this, which is very what? tightly scripted. Oh yes, absolutely. <laughs> we wrote all this ahead of time. Yeah, not, that's not right. loosey goosey at all. <laughs> that's right. It's really complicated uh, when you're scripting to write down when three people talk at the same time. Mm. Right. But exactly. I but I've somehow mastered it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we're doing it all right now, aren't we? Yep. yep. David Mamet does it all the time, and that's I think right. that's our inspiration. Uh, Bubble, yeah, it's a, uh, it's, uh, it's sci-fi, it's comedy. I think if you like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, if you like uh, Welcome to Night Vale, these are comparable things. No, I don't like either of those things, and yet I enjoyed your podcast hey, as well. Hey, okay, yeah. nice. So yeah. maybe it's for everybody. It's yeah. really good. If you haven't checked it out, it's it's kind of interesting because we don't we haven't seen a lot of scripted podcasts. Yeah, with, it turns with sound they're... effects and the whole thing, and it really like sets up a lot of dramatic tension. And also, it's hilarious. Ah, shucks, you're great in it, Helen. Um, Jake Keith, you were not asked to participate. <laughs> that was my next question. He's not, he's not mad at yeah, all. Yeah, so if you no. like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, if you like Welcome to Night Vale, if you like uh, generic low-cost body wash, <laughs> this is the podcast for you. 
It is good. And I understand that it's actually led to some other opportunities for you. Yes, uh, we hope to bring you more bubble in some form <gasps> soon. Ooh, uh, intriguing. Oh yeah. no, what's all this now? A uh, collectible card game. <laughs> so, is this gonna be There's one guy who's like, yes! <laughs> bubble I'm the so Gathering. Sorry, sir, right? that was a no. joke. Oh, yes. I stepped on your thing, I'm sorry. But if you wanna collaborate on a collectible card game. Yeah. Uh, yes, uh, some, some, some things that maybe I, sh I shouldn't talk about yet. Okay. But Hopefully, more bubble-related excitement coming sooner rather than Ooh, later. Very exciting. I'm teased. Now, uh, something that uh, you and I have in common also is that we are both cat guys. Yeah. We both enjoy the kitty cats. Cat daddies. Yeah. Do you say cat daddy? I do. I, not anymore. I'm no, into I think it. that's a different thing. Oh boy, I'm see. It's just. Uh, uh, Helen, I guess I don't know what kind of pet person you are. If I any. am definitely not a cat daddy. Yeah. <laughs> or a cat mommy. No, I actually d uh, do enjoy the company of cats, but I'm wildly allergic, so I can't oh, no. enjoy the company of gotcha. cats. Gotcha. And dogs so, are better. Whoa. What? Oh, Come boy. at me. What a journey. What I, started a to, I started to pity you. Come at me. And then, no. yeah. All right. Uh, well, we're certainly happy that you joined us. Thank Amateur you. Yeah. Jordan no, Morris, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. Jordan Morris. Helen, against whom will Jordan be competing tonight? She is a writer whose book, Tropical Attire Encouraged, is available now and who hosts the hit podcast, Allison Rosen is your new best friend. It's Allison Rosen! Allison Rosen! Good evening, Allison Welcome. Rosen. I also was not in Bubble. Oh, interesting. Which I brought up to Jordan, oh. and he promised me a part in the second season. <gasps> so if that's happening, I'm cashing in. Yeah. Nice. I've, I've made, I've made, listen, I've made a lot of promises. <laughs> I plan on delivering. Yeah. yeah. You should know you can't trust podcast people. Right, I know. Their words. We're Slippery. That's right. Now, you and Jordan actually do know each other. Tell us yes. a little bit about that. Um, I think I first met, well, we know each other from podcasting, mm -hmm. but did I first meet you when you were on my podcast or I was on your, we've done each other's podcast yeah. a number Aww. of times. And lately, so my podcast, Allison Rose's New Best Friend, comes out twice a week. Monday is a one-on-one, -on -one, and then Thursday is a panel, and and Jordan has been sort of a semi-regular on the panel of late. So oh, that's nice. when I have impressed upon him my need to be in bubble two. Yeah. <laughs> I see. Let's talk about this book that you wrote called Tropical Attire Encourage. It's uh, Tropical Attire Encourage and other phrases that scare me. Oh, okay, yeah. good. Oh. So we're, not, we're not focusing just on that one phrase. No. What are some of the other phrases that frighten you, if you don't mind being frightened? Uh, oh, well, it, I mean, it's not that literal, so I don't know that I specifically mentioned other phrases that scare me, but in general, like um, hot weather, Tank tops. Um, Tank tops are terrifying. Yeah. It's basically hot weather and how it affects your upper body are things that scare me. Yeah. All right. Uh, now, I, I, just, I just have to say, I am please. packing more fat on my upper arms because I'm pregnant right now, and the baby needs me to have fat upper arms, I guess. I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me either, but everyone assures me it's natural. <laughs> Wait, so, the, the baby does not want you to wear a boo-boo <laughs> under any circumstances. Well, congratulations. Thank I think you. that's something people say, and then maybe applaud that in a is, polite yeah. manner. Thank you very much. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, millions of people do it every day, but it's a miracle. Great. Um, <laughs> uh, your podcast is immensely successful. Uh, did I read correctly? It started in your apartment? Yeah, well, so I lived in New York, and I started it as a streaming internet show. It was like a different, my, the, the first incarnation of the podcast mm -hmm. called Allison Rosen is Your New Best Friend, and that was... God, I think that was like in 2010, mm. 2009, 2010, 2008. It was in that zone. Mm -hmm. And then I moved out here and then brought it back as a podcast. I see. So, and I've been doing it as a podcast since 2012. And now as someone who has a successful podcast, how do you get it to be uh, such a hit? And make me do it. I want it too. <laughs> how do I... What do I do? No, what, what, what was the turning point where you, where you realized people are really uh, tuned into this? Oh, gosh. That's, um, thank you, that's immensely flattering. Mm -hmm. I'm tempted to steal Jimmy Pardo's answer and say, the secret is me, I'm the secret. Okay. <laughs> that was but, a good answer. Um, yeah. For me, it was when I had to kill my first stalker. Yeah, oh, that yes. was it? That was yeah. a turning point? That, oh, a rite of passage yeah. for every podcaster. <laughs> I was, uh, yeah, as I was uh, slamming his head into my freezer, I'm wow. like, oh, I've, I've made, made it. it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you never forget the first one. Yeah. Yeah. That, that didn't happen, I could tell it bumped some people out. Yeah. <laughs> But well, at least you guys have stalkers. Jay Keith and I got nothing. Yeah. Anyone want to stalk us? Or no? Oh, I know. Nobody? Yeah. We'll be your stalkers. 
Oh, yay! Yeah. The we'll, math adds up. Yeah. Right. Well, okay, we'll stalk you guys Monday, Wednesday, Friday. <laughs> okay. And then Tuesday, Thursday, so anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, you do these one-on-one -on -one interviews for, for half of the shows. How do, how do you get people to open up? Because you get into some really intimate, uh, intimate stuff. It's not Thank just you. all funny haha. Thank you. Um, I think I am genuinely very curious, mm -hmm. and I'm willing to share my own struggles, and so... Thankfully, they usually just feel comfortable enough to want to also talk openly. Mm -hmm. So I ah. think it's a it's a safe space. Right. And another segment that you do is it's called Just Me or Everyone. Yes. And uh, where I guess you you I guess I've heard it. Uh, where you, <laughs> for those who haven't heard, where you where you say something and you ask people, is it just me who believes or thinks this, or is it everyone? Yeah. Well, so people send it. They tweet their own Just Me or Everyone's to me. Right. Um, and then we read those and and weigh in on if we also. What's a memorable one. Um, one, and, and I do do this. At a restaurant, you decide what you want, you close the menu, because that's like universal, I'm ready to order now, and then when they come over, you have to open it again and right. point. Oh my god, I totally do I, that. Yeah. 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 I, you can't remember it for like a minute. Yeah, I mean, something about dining in LA these days is like stuff has cute names. Right. Like all yeah. like menus. Yeah. Like, I, like I literally take out, out the vowels. I literally was Ugh. out to dinner last <laughs> night. And like, oh, but have you decided on a cocktail? And I had my menu closed and had to reopen it and go like, yeah, I'll have the um, <sighs> matcha said knock you out. <laughs> it was real and it was great. Okay, good. It ruled. It was so good. Well, also real and also great are our guests, Jordan Morris and Allison Rosen. Jordan and Allison, we asked each of you to provide us with a few topics outside of your field of work in which you feel you have expertise. Jordan, you told us you know a lot about The Simpsons, The La Brea Tar Pits, and the 90s third wave ska revival. Yep. Take that second wave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Allison, you told us you know a lot about in vitro fertilization. By the way, apparently you know the successful results of that as well. Yes. Uh, I love injections and hate money. <laughs> you also said you know a lot about The Facts of Life. My favorite show. Which is sort of similar to in vitro fertilization, if you think about it. Yeah, in a way. Yeah, in a way. In a way. Uh, and finally, you said you know a lot about analogies. Yes, although I feel like that's the, the one where if you choose that one, I'm the most likely to look Potentially foolish. I just feel like I'm good at them. Yeah. Well, later on, we'll ask you some in-depth trivia questions about one of those topics. But first, we're going to get your thoughts on something you might know nothing about. It's time to split some hairs with our What's the Difference round. We'll have one question for each of you, each worth up to two points. If either of you gives an incorrect answer, the other person has a chance to steal. Today's topics, feast or famine. First up, Jordan with feast. Jordan, they both are cold, creamy, and delicious. But what is the difference between ice cream and gelato? Oh, uh, I think it's the. Uh, I think it's if you use milk or cream, or it has something to do with the, uh, like fat content mm -hmm. of the of the milk product. So I think gelato is uh, a higher fat content milk, maybe closer to cream, and ice cream uses milk. Uh, yeah. Very good. Yeah. All right, we have uh, Jordan's answer. We don't know yet if he is correct, Allison. If you don't think he's got it right, you can steal. What do you think? I think he's right that it has to do with milk or cream, but I mm. think he has it backwards, mm. which is so sad. <laughs> I think. Oh, oh yikes! It's right wow. in the name, Jordan. I think ice cream has cream, and gelato is made with milk. That's what I think. Okay. Well, uh, this segment is melting, so let's get to Helen Hong at the judges' table <laughs> for the facts. Here are the facts. It all comes down to fat and air. According to the U.S. government, ice cream must contain at least 10% fat, and the Italian government requires gelato to contain at least 3.5% fat. Ice cream can also have a lot of air whipped into it, sometimes so much that there's just as much air in your ice cream as there is ice cream. Gelato tends to have much less air whipped into it, so while it has less fat, it's also much denser by volume. That's right. So if you're looking to lose weight, for instance, choose uh, neither, really. Sure. They're, both, they're both pretty bad. Uh, what does that mean as far as our scoring goes, Helen? I'm going to say, uh, Jordan, you got half a point for saying it. that it, it. Uh, it was about the milk or cream fat content, but you didn't specify uh, correctly which one. And then, Allison, I'm also going to give you half a point because what? you said it was the opposite. Okay. So half a point for each. Half a point for each. All Yay. right. Up next in the topic of feast or famine, Allison with famine. Mm. Allison, when referring to food, what is the difference between to deny and to deprive? Deny and deprive. 
Ooh, okay. So to deny would be to refuse to give someone food. Mm-hmm. And to deprive would be to withhold food that is somehow already theirs. Let me see if I can make sense of that. I would like that. <laughs> to deny, I, I'm standing by to deny is mm-hmm. to not give someone the food. Okay. To deprive would be to withhold, to deprive, to deprive, to starve them. To starve them. Yes, is actually what I'm going to say. That is what you're going to say. In fact, you just said it. Uh, we have Allison's answer. Jordan, we don't know yet if she's correct. Uh, if you don't think she got it exactly right, what do you think? So here's what I think. I think it has to do with whether or not the food exists in the first place. I think Whoa. to deny someone food mm-hmm. means that someone has, that food exists somewhere. <laughs> Okay. There's, a, there's a food that is somewhere. Okay. So I think to deny someone food, it has to, there, there has to be something specific to deny. Mm-hmm. And to deprive means to just to not give anyone any food, and that food could also not exist. So to not give someone non-existent yeah. food. It's like there's a cat in a box, and there's an atom, and <laughs> okay. if the atom right. dies, then the right. cat is Superman the whole time. Oh, my God. <laughs> Schrodinger's answer. Yes, yes. Uh, All right, well, this segment is starving. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. Here are the facts. To deny is to simply not give something to someone. To deprive is to take something away from someone that they already have and keep it away. How about an example, Helen? For example, my boss could deny me a raise, but he could also deprive me of my salary altogether. Either way, I am reporting him to the labor board. (laughs) That is right. Uh, What does that mean as far as our points go, Helen? So, Allison, I think we're going to give you a point and a half. Thank you. For that answer, because you did get correct. Deny is refuse to give someone food. Your example was food, but it could be anything. And then you started by saying deprive is withhold food already theirs, but then you changed to to starve them. So I'm going to say a point and a half. A point and a half for Allison. So what is our score at the end of that first round, Helen? At the end of the first round, Jordan Morris has half a point, and Allison Rosen has two points. But those scores are bound to change as we move on to questions about topics our guests have chosen for themselves. That's all up ahead when we come back on Go Fact Yourself! Since the dawn of time, screenwriters have taken months to craft their stories. But now, three Hollywood professionals shall attempt the impossible. Break a story in one hour. That's right. Here on Story Break, I, Freddie Wong, Matt Arnold, and Will Campos, the creators behind award-winning shows like Video Game High School, have one hour to turn a humble idea into an awesome movie. Now, an awesome movie starts with an awesome title. I chose The Billionaire's Marriage Valley. Mine was Christmas Pregnant Paradise. (laughs) Okay, next we need a protagonist. So I've heard Wario best described as libertarian, Mario. (laughs) And of course, every great movie needs a stellar pitch. In order to get to heaven, sometimes you got to raise a little hell. <laughs> That's the tagline! Check out Story Break every week on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself, where our score is Jordan Morris with half a point and Allison Rosen with two points. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen Hong. Thank you, everybody. That guy started applauding. I was a little worried. He started with his arms crossed, but then he, he came in. I appreciate it, brother. Thank you. Jordan... <laughs> Yep. <laughs> of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about The Simpsons, The La Brea Tar Pits, and the 90s third wave ska revival. Yes. I mean, I'm going to correct you there. You said many interests. It's actually just those three. Those are the three. <laughs> no of your interests. three interests, no they are these. Yes, here are the Let's talk about a little bit of each one. Sure, uh, yes. Let's, first of all, you said you know a lot about The Simpsons. Yeah. I mean, oh boy. I mean, how much explaining do I have to do? Uh, I'm, I'm a 36-year-old white guy. <laughs> All right, you also oh, said you know there. a lot about... Yeah. Done yeah. and done. Yeah, uh, you, know, you know, it was just a big, a big uh, you know, it, was, it, it, it came along at the right time. Well, I was, uh, yeah. But how deep your, does your knowledge go? Because we're now in, like, the, what, the 30th season yeah, of The Simpsons? Yeah, yeah. So are you, have you been following all... Do you know all about all the seasons? Oh, boy, uh, let's see. I, I want to I uh, manage my answer just in case... Your expert is here from the Simpsons. Uh, I mean, I say the primary, the primary pocket of my knowledge would be what people call the golden years. Although I do think there's some very, very funny recent new Simpsons. Mm-hmm. Uh, very diplomatic. Thank you. Uh, which is, you know, seasons seasons two through thirteen. Some mm-hmm. people say two through ten. I'll say two through thirteen. Nice. Uh, yeah, or kind of the, you know, the the uh, the artistic peak of the show. 
uh, some might say. Not like the crap they're making now. No, huh? it's good. Oh, oh my God, our guests were just left. Our oh no. Simpsons. Our guest yeah. is furious. I watched the season premiere where that Bart dies. It's very funny. He doesn't really die. Spoiler alert. Yeah. You also said you know a lot about the La Brea Tar Pits. Sure, yeah. Um, now, for those who don't know, explain briefly what are the La Brea Tar Pits. Yeah, so the La Brea Tar Pits, it's a, uh, it, it is a tarp, a, lo- a fun pit, a fun local pit. <laughs> uh, it's here in L.A., it's on Wilshire, and uh, it is, uh, it, you know, in, in back in the, uh, uh, the kind of Ice Age area, the kind of post-Ice Age period, uh, a lot of fun animals were getting caught in the tar. And uh, kind of uh, in the uh, early 1900s, people started uh, mining that tar for oil and asphalt and things like that. And they were kind of pulling out all these, uh, all these cool fossils and skeletons of woolly mammoths and dire wolves and things. Uh, so yeah, and then in the 70s, they created a museum uh, dedicated uh, to the things that were coming out of these specific tar pits. And uh, tell us about your, your love of it. How often do you go? And, uh, uh, yeah, I am. I kind of live close to it, so if I'm having a rough day, I can just stroll on down to the tar oh, pits. <laughs> smell uh, that stinky, stinky asphalt. Yeah, smell that, smell that <laughs> fault. And uh, I grew up in New York, and when I first moved to L.A., I just thought it was such a weird thing that they had this museum of like animals that had fallen into a hole in the ground and been trapped there. And yeah. then I thought, what a fitting thing for Los Angeles. Like, people <laughs> come here to Hollywood with all these hopes and dreams, and then they get just right. sucked into the ground. And then when, someone, when a mammoth was stuck in the tar, oh. the wolves would jump on it yeah. to kill it, and they would get stuck too, and <laughs> nobody will buy my screenplay. <laughs> you gotta make it into a podcast. <laughs> and then finally, you said you know a lot about the 90s third wave sure. ska revival. Well, so for the few who don't know what that means, yeah. why don't you say that? Well, I'm a 36-year-old white guy. Oh, okay. It all... uh, no, so it all you know, uh, uh, so I grew up, I grew up in, uh, in Orange County, about an hour south here of L.A. Uh, actually, a big reason why I liked the La Brea Tar Pits is because it was like a field trip destination for oh. us growing up. So I associate it with having a day off of school. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, uh, so you know, uh, uh, ska, a, a, a bouncy fun dance music that started in Jamaica in the 60s, and then uh, in the 90s, uh, you know, we folded in a little bit of punk rock and some other things, and uh, it, it, brought you, it brought you the bands like uh, No Doubt and Rancid and stuff like that that hmm. you maybe heard on the radio in the 90s, and it just like hit me at a, at a great time. I was kind of, you know, 12, 13, getting interested in music. I liked, uh, I liked the idea of punk rock, but was very, uh, was a timid child who didn't like the idea of, of drinking or uh, smashing the system. <laughs> uh, the system was working out very well for me. Yeah, again, 36 year old white guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, why do we need to tear this thing down? It's great. Top of this patriarchy. So yeah, so all that stuff was kind of like punk rock training wheels a little bit. It was kind of like, hey, you can kind of get into a music scene and. I you love know. the image of punk, punk rock on a tricycle. Like, yeah. Punk rock guys. These suspenders and <laughs> ease into it. Uh, so, and yeah. it's kind of having a revival, revival. Like I know, uh, like for instance, a Save Ferris is out back out touring. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Like a lot of those, uh, yeah. There's still a lot of affection for that music, and yeah, and a lot of those bands can kind of tour together, and uh, and a bunch of uh, you know nostalgic thirty year olds and uh, you know the hyper teenagers of today mm-hmm. uh, can appreciate it. So yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's a lot of fun and, 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 a, and a very a very special period in my life. Oh, when I was excellent. Getting into all that stuff. All right, Jordan, so to recap, you said you know a lot about The Simpsons, mm-hmm. the La Brea Tar Pits, and the 90s third wave ska revival. Today we want to talk to you about the La Brea Tar Pits. A stinky hole in the ground. <laughs> that, that was an alternate title. And they, yeah, it's, it's something when Tar Pits is the best name you can come up with. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, not the best branding, but maybe we'll talk Let's about that. grab the kids and go down to the pit. Exactly. <laughs> uh, when's the last time you uh, visited the Tar Pits, by the way? Uh, earlier this week. Oh, excellent. Oh. Yeah. Just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of an actual expert in the La Brea Tar Pits to test your mastery in the subject with our expert-level question worth up to three points. But before that, to let you show your love, here are five trivia questions about the topic, each worth one point. Now, if you want it, you're allowed to hint for any two of these five questions. Now, Allison, do listen closely because if Jordan answers incorrectly and you know the right answer, you can steal. By the way, Allison, how much do you know about the La Brea Tar Pits? Not much. Um, I also live near there, and I actually was there somewhat recently, but uh, I have a La Brea Tar Pit question. Is there an actual museum, or is it just like the tar pits that you walk along and it's, there's not that much there? Uh, there's an actual museum. Okay. Yeah. So I, One point for Jordan already. <laughs> it hasn't even started. 
I feel uh, I'm no, missing no. out. All right, very good. All right, here is question number and one. they have not changed the carpet since the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> Here's question number one for Jordan Morris about the La Brea Tar Pits. I have a feeling you're going to get this. The La Brea Tar Pits were formed during the Pleistocene era over 10,000 years ago. Also the name of an inexplicably successful animated movie franchise. What is the Pleistocene era more commonly known as? Uh, Ice Age. Helen? That is correct. That is correct, the Ice Age. Uh, fun fact, there have been five major Ice Ages, but generally when we say Ice Age, we are referring to the Pleistocene era. Sure. And can when I... Vanilla Ice was popular. Yes. <laughs> Wait, can I just hear the, share the uh, delightful hint that you gave for this? Yes, question? if you had needed a hint, Helen would have this, said... This would have been the hint if you yes. had asked for a hint. Burr. <laughs> <laughs> Great you. delivery. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Thank Great you. delivery. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Number two, Jordan, the La Brea Tar Pits is kind of a deceptive name because the pits are not filled with tar. What is the actual substance that was being mined when fossils were discovered there? Uh, asphalt, right? Helen? That is correct. That is right. Asphalt. Uh, tar, by the way, is a byproduct of coal or wood, and there is no coal at the tar pits. Asphalt is a byproduct of oil, which is located at the tar pits. And now we've just wasted a what's the difference round that we could have done for the next <laughs> oh, show. man. All right. Uh, you're two for two, Jordan. Here's question number three. The fossils from the tar pits used to have to make a seven-mile trip to the Natural History Museum until a philanthropist donated an on-site museum, as we referred to earlier. That on-site museum was named after him. Who was this magnate who also donated youth centers and university buildings across Los Angeles? Uh, George C. Page, right? Helen? That is correct. That is correct. George C. Page. Uh, made his fortune uh, Made his fortune partially by selling fruit baskets. Oh. What? He uh, fell in love with the California orange when he visited <laughs> here as a child and, uh, and dedicated part of his life to bringing oranges to the world. Yay! <laughs> Wait, he would put them in baskets and cover them with cellophane and be like, the fruit basket. Yeah. And that's how he made his fortune? I, yeah, no, that's, and, you know, what? probably like, you know, bootlegging gin and stuff. <laughs> shady real estate deals, but yeah. Well, we'll ask baskets. our expert about that. Yeah. Um, oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Question number four, Jordan. At the Tar Pits Museum, there is a wall with over 400 skulls of what animal? Uh, dire wolves. Ellen? That is correct. That is correct, dire wolves. Uh, what do you think of that? Uh, what do you think of that art installation? Love that wall of skulls. <laughs> if you're local or if you're visiting LA, you gotta check out that wall of skulls. It's great. You can squint and pretend like you're in Tim Burton's reading room. <laughs> I don't think I knew because uh, I'm a huge Game of Thrones fan. Game of Thrones fan. And uh, so I knew of Dire Wolves from that, but I, I, I actually went to go to the La Brea Tar Pits uh, for the first time. I was actually paying attention when I was there. And, and I was like, whoa, a Dire Wolf is real? What? <laughs> like, I was so excited. Where's yeah. the dragon exhibit? <laughs> Where's the White Walker skeleton? Jordan, you are four for four. Here's question number five. Many people think of the Tar Pits as a place to see a saber-toothed tiger, but it's not really a tiger. It's more properly known as a saber-toothed cat, and it's even more properly known by what scientific name? Uh, okay, so Smilodon. Smilodon Californius? Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Wow. Oh, Jordan Morris, five for five, ladies and gentlemen. No hints. I believe that particular species they have there is the Smilodon fatalis, but we'll find out, we'll find out a little bit more about that uh, later. All right, Jordan, you've gone five for five. You have a chance to go for a clean sweep because here's your expert-level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. You guys are the best. I love you guys. Oh. It's not you like we paid you or anything. Right? I did not, wow. no. These are, that's a natural wow. thing that happens that when people thrilled. see a show for free. Um, <laughs> This question is so high level, we will be bringing on an expert to assess your response. The answer is worth up to three points. Here we go. Jordan, the tar pits are known for their mega fauna. So for up to three points, of the fossils found at the site, what is the largest mammal, the largest reptile, and the largest bird? Wow. Okay. Largest mammal. It's gotta be the woolly mammoth, right? Although maybe it's not, maybe it's not technically a woolly mammoth. Maybe it's another kind. I'm gonna say, can I just say mammoth? I'm gonna say mammoth. Okay. What are the other two? Reptile and bird. Oh, no, what are the answers? Oh, I... <laughs> yeah, sorry, this is not like a podcast you listen to where you can just fast forward ahead to God. the... <laughs> and I can't get hints for these, you right? You can no hints in the cluster Wow. Uh, 
bird. Let's mm-hmm. see. Uh, oh, gosh. Wow. I totally don't know this. Uh, condor? Vulture or a condor? Uh, yeah, let's go condor. Condor, all right. Uh, oh, man. I saw one, and I made a wingspan joke when I saw it to no one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's go condor, condor? for the bird. All right. And, and finally, reptile. Reptile. Jeez Louise. I'm going to say iguana, but I feel bad about it. I don't like well, it. I don't want you to feel name. bad if no, you want to change it to something else. No, it's the only one I have, I think. I'm going to say iguana. All right. Helen is taking note of your answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure of those answers. Helen, who do we have? Here with us tonight is a National Science Foundation postdoctoral research fellow who does her work at the La Brea Tar Pits, Dr. Myrene Belisi. Dr. Myrene Belisi, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, Dr. Bailisi. Just bring that, bring that mic very close to you. We're going to talk to you about your work at the Tar Pits, but I want to ask a little bit about some of your background because you did your dissertation about dogs. I did bone-cracking dogs. Bone-cracking dogs? Mm-hmm. They were these uh, large hyena-like dogs that used to live here <gasps> in North America way back when, even before the dire wolves were on here. What? And but- what did you discover about these uh, dogs? Uh, well... One of the studies that we put out, that I put out, is um, uh, <laughs> an analysis of some dog poop that uh, had bones still preserved in them. They're about five million years old. Whose bones? Um, the like bones, people bones? Oh, not people bones, thankfully. Um, but bones of some large herbivore. So something the size of a deer. I actually got a question recently um, about how, you know, how do you know that this dog actually ate the bones inside? Or did, was it having diarrhea? Right, mm. like were these bones just on the ground and the poop just kind of fell on oh, it? Oh, right, good oh. question. But it, dog, yeah, this this dog feces just looked still five million years later like dog feces. So, wow, <laughs> some things know. never change. Isn't that a beautiful story? Uh, how did you end up working uh, at the tar pits? I've been doing research there since 2009 or so, 2010, and um, so as we know by now, there are saber-toothed cats there and dire wolves and um, just these really um, almost crazy-sounding creatures. And uh, one of the things that I've always been curious about is how were they all here in such high densities, and how were they able to coexist? And so that's one of the reasons that I came to work there, and I started out looking at what they were eating and if they competed with each other. Interesting. And what have, what have been some of the discoveries that you've made in your time there? Um, well, one of the discoveries that I made is that, so the saber-toothed cat... Um, it was getting a lot of injuries in its spine. So the saber-toothed cat was more of an ambush predator. And so it would, um, yeah, it would wrestle, grapple with its prey. And so that grappling would resulted a lot in it torquing its spine and hurting its spine that way. This is so L.A. <laughs> yeah, isn't it? It sounds so L.A. Yeah, why didn't you just go to a chiropractor or do the bar method? <laughs> and by the way, we were asking Jordan that question earlier about the scientific name for the saber-toothed cat. He said it was Smilodon... What was the second word? Uh, California. California. Right? Is that a correct uh, answer um, or breed? It was smiled on Californicus. It's now smiled on Fatalis. Oh, I see. But so it changed. Yes. Interesting. Oh, wow. We were both right. You more, but... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's so nice of you to concede to the doctor. Yeah. <laughs> and you actually work there at the pits? I work at the museum that's right. by the pits, yes. I but hear the carpets there have not been changed for several years. Is that true? <laughs> Can you verify that? We are working on it. Okay, good. Yeah. How do you deal with the smell? Because it just constantly stinks like hot asphalt. Um, I go in after using some really nice body wash. Ooh. Oh, it's on. <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> Dr. Belisi, paying attention. (laughs) To get a PhD in callbacks. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And uh, I understand you're also looking for people to uh, help out at the the Tar Pits and at the museum. Uh, The Tar Pits Museum is always looking for volunteers. And um, if you are also in college or know someone who's in college or high school um, who's looking for scientific internship experience, um, I'm looking. So. What about like an adult who doesn't have a lot going on? 36-year-old <laughs> yeah. 30, white guy? Anything? Yeah. You're always welcome. <laughs> well, let's she get to was the... somewhat less enthused. Yeah. She was yeah. like, sure. Yeah. Haven't you guys had enough? I get it. Uh, all right, let's get to the reason that we brought you here tonight as far as our game is concerned. You heard the question that we asked Jordan. Helen is going to remind everyone of the answers. First, we wanted to know from Jordan what the largest mammal found at the tar pits has been. Helen, what did Jordan say? Jordan said mammoth. And is that correct, Dr. Belisi? Uh, yes, it is the mammoth, specifically the Colombian mammoth. Very good. One point for Jordan. 
Next, we wanted to know what the largest reptile that was found there. Uh, Helen, what did Jordan say? Jordan said iguana. And is that correct, Dr. Belisi? Uh, sadly, no. Um, what is so, the largest one? So the largest one we think is a tortoise, but we're not sure yet because we started finding these uh, turtle-like shell pieces, tortoise-like shell pieces that were too big to be turtle, um, but we we haven't uh, finalized that yet. We fi- haven't finalized that. I don't but you're sure it's yet. not an iguana? Pretty sure it's Pretty not sure. an iguana. Okay. Sorry, Jordan, didn't get the yeah. point there. And finally, we wanted to know from Jordan what the largest bird that you found at the site has been. And Helen, what did Jordan say? Jordan said condor. And is that correct, Dr. Belisi? That's close, but it's actually the territory. And so it's something that we completely do not have anymore. You can also think of it as these massive terror birds. Yeah. <laughs> Parrot uh, flesh-eating. How, how are they? How are they terror birds? Uh, flesh-eating terror birds. What? Oh, maybe it's not so bad they're gone. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Absolutely. Absolutely named. Aptly named. So no point on that part for uh, for Jordan. Jordan, anything you'd like to ask Dr. Belisi while we have our expert here? Uh, there's a mechanical saber-toothed tiger that is killing a Saber-toothed cat. Saber-toothed cat. Yes. Excuse me. <laughs> yes. uh, who, who, who maintains that? Oh, that's a great question. I don't maintain it. Um, I don't know who maintains it exactly. I don't think it really needs much maintenance. I haven't seen anyone... <laughs> It's one of my maintaining favorite robots. It. Wait, what are you saying? There's an animatronic saber-toothed cat inside that building that's yeah, there? Yeah, he's killing a sloth. It's great. What? <laughs> it's really I mean, cool. That, every time I go there, I'm like, it stinks, and I just, like, hurry no, past. No, you gotta go. But now I feel like I need to go in. Like, are you expecting that it needs to be oiled or... What yeah. maintenance? You know, brother, brush. Yeah. I just want you know what, Jordan? If you volunteer, it. maybe you can go I and give it a once over. Brush the robot. Excellent. Happy to have you. Dr. Belisi, if people want to find out more about you or your work, where can they go? Uh, they can go to my website, myrenebelisi.com. And of and course, to the La Brea Tar Pits, where they can course, see you there. Of course, the La Brea Tar Pits. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Dr. Myrene Belisi. Thank you so much. All right, Helen, let's get a score recap at the end of that round. At the end of that round, Jordan Morris has six and a half points, and Allison Rosen has two points with a round of questions coming up. That's right. We're going to talk with Allison about a topic she knows a lot about. Plus, later, Allison and Jordan will go head-to-head in our Fast Facts round to find a winner on Go Fact Yourself. How does this sound? A weekend on a beautiful mountaintop in California. You wake up, eat a tasty meal with some new friends, some old friends, maybe the host of your favorite podcasts. After that, it's a couple of inspiring classes, spectacular podcast tapings, a hilarious stand-up showcase, a dance party, and more. And s'mores! All of this can be yours at Max FunCon, returning to Lake Arrowhead next June. Tickets go on sale Friday, November 23rd. Put that on your calendar because Max FunCon tickets always sell out. Get a head start planning your next summer vacation and go to maxfuncon.com to learn more. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself, where our score is Jordan Morris with six and a half points and Allison Rosen with two points. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Helen. Allison Rosen, of your many or three interests, you told us you know a lot about in vitro fertilization, the facts of life, and analogies. Let's talk a little bit about each one. First, you said you know a lot about in vitro fertilization. Yes, that is how I have children. Um, (laughs) And it's just a long, intense process. And so having gone through it, I feel that I have soaked up a lot of info. Very I guess good. maybe we'll find out if that's true. Maybe but we I, will. I think I know more than um, someone who knows nothing about it. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly know more than I do. Yeah. Uh, now, aside from the, the results, uh, I, I imagine it was a very challenging process. So aside from the result, what was something that was enjoyable or, or, or even fun about it, if there is anything? So I started the process with a fear of needles mm-hmm. and a fear of having my blood drawn. Like, I was that person who would tell them, I'm afraid to have my blood drawn. And they'd be like, oh, you know, why don't we have you lie down? And here's, here's a tiny thing of apple juice. And it was all very embarrassing and also very nerve-wracking because I truly would feel hot and, like, I, I had, like, a physical response to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I completely got over that. And there were times where actually, as much as I was joking earlier that I like injections, I don't, but giving myself shots, I began to feel like a badass and also like, I'm, I could probably be a doctor, you know? <laughs> so it's a lot of confidence. Yeah, so yeah. weirdly, because we went through it for so long, it's the waiting and it's in between cycles where you're doing nothing that's the hardest, but when you're doing a cycle, which means you're actually injecting yourself, 
that I think is easier to deal with because at least you feel like, oh, there's hope. Like we're mm. kind of, we're, we're on our, we're heading towards a goal. Great. That is very badass to give yourself yeah. an ejection. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, you also said you know a lot about the TV show, The Facts of Life. It's just been my favorite show for as long as I can remember Since liking. Since you were a little kid. Yes. So uh, I think I've seen every episode. I'm still somewhat super into it. And <laughs> you yeah. You still watch it currently? I mean, not regularly, okay. but if it's on... Sure. Sure. Uh, and yeah, I just, it's, it's just it's a part of me. There were many different eras of the facts of there life. There were. What, what, what was your favorite and maybe even a favorite episode? I like, if an expert is here, I liked all of it. I okay. liked every single <laughs> cast member. Right. I do think that probably my favorite is when they're at Eastland with Mrs. Garrett. Mm. That's like the classic. However, my favorite episode, I think, might be Christmas in the Big House, which is where they put on uh, a Christmas show and... They, uh, they think that they're going to be putting on a show at a boy's home, but it turns out to, to be a prison. But it's still, like, very heartwarming. And Joe and Natalie sing We Need a Little Christmas, which is one of my favorite Christmas songs, and Aww. it's very good. And that was from a later era. All right. And then finally you said you know a lot about analogies. Yeah. I just, I just do. I enjoy words. I'm long-winded. I like to compare <laughs> things to... I like to compare things to other things. And I feel, in general, I do well on analogies portions of tests, which I don't ever take anymore. I was going to say, when's the last time you had, to, uh, you had to mark a bubble for an analogy answer? I mean, it's been a while. Yeah. But I preferred that to other types of tests. Okay, so Allison, we've learned that you know a lot about in vitro fertilization, the facts of life, and analogies. Today we're going to quiz you about the facts of life. Yay! Yay! Uh, by the way, I read, I believe on your website, that uh, your husband uh, interfered a little bit with your enjoyment of the facts of life. He, I had facts of life go to Paris... I should know, given that I'm an expert, as I just claimed. But I sh facts of life go to Paris or facts of life go to Europe. I had that DVR'd, and he erased it. <gasps> and yet you still bear him a Barely. Child. I'm barely, barely with him. But now I have the box set. Oh, okay. so, Everything's yeah. okay. Everything's, yeah. I own it now. All right. Well, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of an actual expert in the facts of life to test your mastery. But now we want you to show off. So here are uh, five questions, each worth a point. Uh, if you want it, you're allowed a total of two hits for any of these five questions. Now, Jordan, do listen closely because you can steal if Allison gets any wrong. By the way, Jordan, how much do you know about the facts of life? I have not seen this program. <laughs> really? Nope. But did you know Seriously? of it? Uh, I know it involves Tootie. <laughs> I know that Tootie is involved. It's kind of true. Everybody does know Tootie. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't really know yeah. it that well either, but and I know I think there's I know a Tootie. It, and I think I know it from a Simpsons joke. Oh, wow. They're doing something where Lisa's in, uh, imagining what it's like when she's president, and she talks about she organizing a Facts of Life reunion, including longtime holdout Tootie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so there you go. Well, Jordan, we have, you have, sorry to the experts. <laughs> I've, Jordan, you have demonstrated the white male. Now we see the 36. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, Allison, here's your first question about the facts of life. On what popular sitcom did the character Mrs. Garrett first appear before she got her own spinoff, The Facts of Life? She initially appeared on Different Strokes. Ellen? That is correct. That is correct. One point there. Question number two, in a very special episode, who was the first of Mrs. Garrett's girls to lose her virginity? Ooh, that would be Natalie to her boyfriend's snake. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Her boyfriend's name was Snake? Yes, played by Robert Romanus, I think is his name, who was in Fast Times. What? Oh, yes, yes yeah. the, the ticket broker guy, the, the sleazy guy. Yeah, the sleazy yeah, yeah, guy. Yeah. All right. And she's like, come over here, Snake. <laughs> like He was on... He was her long, well, not maybe not long time boy, long term boyfriend, but he was on a number of episodes, Ooh. or referred to on another number of and episodes. Did she call him Snake? Yeah, that was his name. Yeah, Snake. Okay. Yeah. Right. Question number three: For several seasons, the opening credits showed Nancy McKeon as Joe holding a card with the name of a Shakespeare play. Which one? I remember the card said "The Merry Wives of Windsor." You're gonna go with that. Yeah, Helen. That is correct. That is correct. All right. <laughs> I was in that in college. You were? Yeah. Who'd you play? Pistol. I was bad. <laughs> Forsooth. Yeah. Uh, you're three for three. Here's question number four. After leaving the school, Edna started a business called Edna's Edibles, which was destroyed in a fire. After the fire, she and the ladies started a new business that sold novelty items like inflatable penguins. What was the name of that business? Over Our Heads. Helen? Wow, that, that is, is correct. That is correct, yep. 
You really are a super fan. Thank you. Yes, yes. I am. Now, the girls claimed, yeah. the actresses claimed that that was the most fun set because there was all sorts of stuff to play with. Yeah, there's all sorts of weird stuff. Mm. I remember stores like that in the yes. 80s where they just had crap. Yeah. It was just disposable neon fluorescent crap. Right. Yeah. Like bendy pens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, I don't know if we're giving you much of a challenge, but let's see how we do with question number five. Blair had an older sister, Meg, who we saw in two episodes. She was played by an actor who had starred in another of the most beloved sitcoms of all time. Who was it? Oh, my gosh. You do have a hint available. I'm going to take my hint. Helen, how about that first hint? The sitcom was The Brady Bunch. Oh, oh, Eve Plum. Helen? That is correct. That's correct. It was Eve Plum. Good use of the hint. She, of course, played Jan Brady on The Brady Bunch. Uh, Fun fact, while rehearsing a fight scene, Eve Plum accidentally punched Lisa Welchell in the face. She said it was an accident, but yeah, come on. Yeah. Uh, all right, Blair again. Had, Blair had that punchable face, yeah, though. Yeah, she kind of did, yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Alison Rosen is five for five. This is a really good game. Great both game. Both of you, you guys are really, really know bringing it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, now here is your expert level question, Alison, that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. Mm. Oh, you guys are so well-trained. It's better every time. <laughs> we'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. Here we go. You cannot think of the facts of life without remembering its theme song. For up to three points, name one of the composers who wrote the theme song, name the lead singer of the theme song for the show's first season, and name the lead singer of the theme song for the show's remaining eight seasons. Alan Thicke, the Alan Thicke, was one of the composers. All right. Charlotte Ray sang it in the first season, Mm -hmm. and Gloria Loring sang it after that. All right. Such, no. I don't know if that's right. Such confidence. I know. I felt confident. Yeah. Is this marketable in any way? Because. <laughs> yeah, what do we get if we win this podcast? <laughs> we'll see. Uh, no hesitation. Wow. I really thought it would take a lot to get these right. Uh, we have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have? Here with us tonight is an actor, singer, and songwriter who co-wrote and sang the theme song to the Facts of Life, Gloria ah! Loring. Gloria Loring. Gloria and Allison embracing. Welcome, Gloria Loring. This is so exciting for me. <laughs> this is so exciting for me. It's exciting for everybody. <laughs> you are amazingly knowledgeable about the show. Thank you. You really are. <laughs> See, I, I wrote the theme song with Alan. Alan, and I, Alan wrote more of it than I did because I was newer to songwriting. But we were married for 16 years. And um, we, 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 we wrote the D- Different Strokes theme. And then a year later, they started with Facts of Life. And we wrote that one. But the first year, they had Charlotte sing it. You were exactly right. And then they decided they wanted a little, because she goes, you take the good, you take the bad, you take the bad. <laughs> so they wanted something a little more pop. So I came in and did, you take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and there you have. Wow. <laughs> Country, uh, countryized version of it, but but it was so much fun. It, I love that theme song because it's been bringing me mailbox money for thirty some years. <laughs> yes. yes, mailbox money is the best of that the money. That is pretty good money. The best money in the world. <laughs> now, how much? How how well did you know the show? Like, could you have done well in that quiz as well? No, I I would not have done because when when the show went on, Different Strokes went on in 79, or wait, no. Uh, Facts of Life went on in 79, and I had two little boys under five years old, and one of mine was diagnosed with diabetes, and a year later, I got cast on Days of Our Lives, so I was working on a soap opera and with two little boys, wow. and there was no time to watch television, <laughs> so I was very pleased the show was a hit, but I, I don't think I ever saw two episodes in all those years <laughs> it was on. What? But you've what? seen them since then. A little bit here and there, but and I know. And recently, we had a little reunion on a television show, and Charlotte Ray was there for her 90th birthday. We got to celebrate wow. her, and several of the cast members were there. And I sang the full version. Mm-hmm. There's actually a three, two and a half, three minute version of the Facts of Life with all these extra lyrics. So wow. that and never got recorded. Wait, so. what song was that again? <laughs> the Facts of Life. And how does it go? <laughs> Helen is pimping our expert guest for uh, Instagram Live or something. 
Go ahead. You take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and there you have the facts of life. Ah! The facts of life. Ah! much fun. I apologize and I thank you. Um, <laughs> you also had a number one hit song that you did not write but that you, that you performed called Friends and Lovers. Friends and Lovers with Carl Anderson. That's do you right. remember that one? Yes. Some of you do. Well, that was, that was in 1986 and that was, Alan and I were married for 16 years and the year that Friends and Lovers hit number one all over North America was also the same year as my divorce. Oh. <laughs> There was a little bit so of So you were only going to be one of those at that point. Oh, well, yeah. going to be friends. <laughs> no, true. actually, we wound up being very good friends. And when he passed a year and a half ago, it was a huge hit for all of us. Mm. And, and for me, too, because Alan was always there. He was like the center of the family, you know. He was so important to all of us, so... Yeah, and obviously to a very much lesser degree, but I've, over the years I've done several different shows that Alan uh, had, had guest starred on, was always incredible and gracious. And Oh, he was, I stayed well. married to him five years longer than I should have because he was so funny. <laughs> oh, I would be so angry with him, and then he'd just start making me laugh. And it would <laughs> <laughs> now, you mentioned uh, your family and that you'd had two sons. One of those sons is Robin Thicke. Robin Thicke, yes, yes, Blurred Lines. Yeah. I... Yes. I've heard of him. Yeah. Uh, was he influenced by your singing career? Actually, he, he told me years ago, because, you know, he had a very talented dad who sang some and was very comedic and all of that and a good writer. And, but years ago, I did four concert tours of Australia, and I flew Robin and Brennan, my two sons, over, and they were 9 and 11 at the time. And Robin saw me on stage every night. And a few years ago, he said, you know, Mom, it's your fault I'm an entertainer. <laughs> because I saw you on stage every night and the way the audience acted. And I said, oh, that's what I want to do. Wow. And that's what he does. Wow. And he's good at it, too. Yeah, he is. Uh, you have a new recording project that you're working on. Uh, tell yeah, us about that. Yeah, it's called Rise. I'm working with Ted Perlman, who's a master musician. And we've been working for a couple years off and on and have it almost done, finally. You've got some great songwriters that you're doing material with. Um, yeah, we've got a beautiful new song from Burt Bacharach, uh, Antonio Kay, and uh, Robin and I wrote a couple songs oh, on it. Fun. And Robin sings some background vocals. And it's, it's really quite a good piece of work. That's terrific. You've also got a book that's out now. Tell us about that. I have a book that's been out for a couple years. It's called Coincidence is God's Way of Remaining Anonymous, <laughs> a quote by Albert Einstein, and it's about a series of extraordinary coincidences that changed my life and how you can use coincidence for your own good. Wow, that's I wonderful. I love coincidences. Yeah. That's awesome. It's I actually know, a coincidence that you're here tonight. You're not, you, you did, weren't planning, you just happened to be in town I just happened to be driving by Angels no, that's Road. not what I... They flagged me down. They said, wait, isn't that Gloria Loring? And I said, what, what? I was trying to help. And told you. Uh, all right, not that we necessarily need to, but as a formality, let's get to the reason that we brought you here tonight. As far yes. as our game goes, you heard the question that we asked Allison that really seemed to stump her for about a nanosecond. Yes. Uh, we wanted to know from Allison uh, who were the composers of the theme song. Helen, what did Allison say? Allison said Alan Thick. And is that correct, yes. Ms. Loring? That is correct. Uh, there are actually three people listed on the copyright. One is Alan Thick, one is me, Gloria Loring, and the other is Albert, who was actually an executive executive did not participate in the actual writing but got to put his name on it anyway. Uh. But he's dead so I can tell that story. Yay. <laughs> I'm being a rascal. <laughs> we love it. Uh, next, of course, we wanted to know who was the lead singer in the first season of the show. Helen, what did Allison say? Allison said Charlotte Ray. And Ms. Loring, we now know that is? You take the good, you take the bad, you take the both, and there you have. That, 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 there was also a demo, apparently, where Julia Child sang the theme song. <laughs> That's another point for Allison. And then finally, we asked Allison who was the lead singer for the show's remaining eight seasons. Helen, what did Allison say? Allison said, Gloria Loring. And, and she got it right. She got it right. Three points. A clean sweep for Allison Rosen. Allison, now that we have Gloria Loring here, anything you'd like to ask her? 
How did Charlotte Ray feel about being replaced? Ooh, good you question. You know what? I don't know. She never said anything to me. I met her. She was most gracious, but of course, this is 30 years later. I don't. She was a star of the show. I don't think it affected her at all. You know, and she was not known for her singing. She was known as a comedic actress, and she was fabulous. She really it. was. She was. Yeah. Now, people want to know more about you. Uh, want to find your work or see you uh, I am at the shows? usual GloriaLoring.com, and uh, I'm on Twitter and Facebook and at Gloria Loring and all of that good stuff. Excellent. Well, well, certainly good stuff to have you here. I'm very, very pleased, very excited, and, and very happy to have met you. Ms. Gloria Loring, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much. Thank you. Helen, how about a score recap as we go into our final round? At the end of that round, Jordan Morris has six and a half points, and Allison Rosen has ten points. All right, Jordan, you got some catching up to do because now it is time for our final round we call Fast Facts. I'll read 10 statements and each contestant will answer with true or false. I'll start with Jordan and alternate between each guest. We'll keep the discussion to a minimum. Each correct answer is worth one point. This will determine the winner. Again, the answer to each statement is true or false. Here we begin. Jordan, the Harlem Globetrotters are a football team. False. Correct. That's right, they're basketball. Allison, despite their name, the Harlem Globetrotters have never played outside the United States. True. Incorrect. No, they've actually trotted the globe. Jordan, despite their name, the Harlem Globetrotters were not founded in Harlem. False. Incorrect. No, they were actually were founded in Chicago. Allison, the first African-American to sign an NBA contract had been a Harlem Globetrotter. True. Correct. That's right, it was Nat Sweetwater Clifton. Jordan, the Harlem Globetrotters are undefeated. <laughs> True. Incorrect. No, they actually lost one game to the Washington Generals on a last-second buzzer beater. Allison, the Harlem Globetrotters. Why? What? Why? Well, why did they let that happen? Because <laughs> it's scripted, right? Not a, no, only only some of it's scripted. Uh, yeah. Allison, the Harlem Globetrotters solved crimes with Scooby-Doo and the gang. True. Correct. That's right, Jordan. The Harlem Globetrotters played on Gilligan's Island. Oh, true. Correct. Allison, on Gilligan's Island, the Harlem Globetrotters played against a team of robots. False. Incorrect. <laughs> no, they really did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the '80s. Uh, Jordan, those robots were designed by a mad scientist played by an Academy Award-winning actor. I mean, if it's not true, that's real specific. Yeah, true. <laughs> Correct. That is right. Allison, finally, that Academy Award-winning actor was Michael Caine. True. Incorrect. No, but that would have been amazing. No, it was actually, it was actually Martin Landau. Martin Landau. Let's give a nice hand to both of our contestants, Allison Rosen and Jordan Morris, as Helen tabulates the final score. Helen, are you ready to announce the winner of today's episode? I am. At the end of the game, Jordan Morris has nine and a half points, and Allison Rosen has 12 points. Congratulations, Allison Rosen. You were the facting champion on Go Fact Yourself. Allison, what will you do with your championship? All expense paid vacation. I don't know who's paying for it, but that's where I'm going. All right, let's go on vacation. <laughs> Congratulations. All right, we just want to uh, wrap things up by giving everyone a chance to promote any upcoming products, appearances, or services. Uh, Allison, what do you got going on? Um, find I you? have, well, my podcast, uh, which you can get if you go to iTunes.com slash Allison Rosen or all the places you get podcasts. Also, I have a new podcast launching. By the time you hear this, I believe it will have launched. Um, I'm co-hosting it with Greg Fitzsimmons. It's called Childish. It's a parenting and life podcast. And I'm um, on Twitter and Instagram at Allison Rosen. Allison Rosen, ladies and gentlemen. Jordan Morris, where can people find you? Uh, yeah, if I've, uh, I've got a chat show called Jordan, Jesse, Go. Everybody on stage has been on it and will be on in the future. Uh, it's a fun and funny good time. Also, uh, check out the podcast Bubble if you have not already. Uh, it's eight episodes. It's a sci-fi comedy. Uh, I think you'll like it. And if, uh, yeah, and if you do enjoy it, uh, tell a friend, tell the internet. Tell the internet about Jordan Morris. <laughs> hmm? Ladies and gentlemen, you are very lucky because your co-host is Ms. Helen Hong. Yes! What do you have going on, my friend? I will be performing at Topgolf Las Vegas uh, right after Thanksgiving, the Friday and Saturday after Thanksgiving. And I will also be playing at the Boca Black Box in Boca Raton, December 21st and 22nd. Send your grandparents, Helen Hong, ladies and gentlemen. 
Uh, and me, I'm on the socials at uh, jkeith.net, all spelled out on Instagram, and on Twitter at j underscore Keith. I want to give a shout out to a podcast that I appeared on. Uh, as some of you know, I have a policy where I will appear on any podcast. Uh, sometimes it doesn't go great, but one of the times it went really well was on a podcast called Song Salad, where uh, they interview you, and then they write a song about one of the things that you talk about, what? and then they perform the song like an hour later. That's so cool. It was incredible. And of course, uh, I talked about travel and points and miles, and they wrote and did a fully produced song <laughs> about points and miles. It was it was amazing. Please check it out. It's called Song Salad. That just leaves me to thank Allison Rosen, Jordan Morris, Dr. Myrene Balisi, Gloria Loring, and Helen Hong. Please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at GoFactYourPod, and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. I'm J. Keith Van Stratton. Good night. Like what you hear? Come see us live. It's free. Go to GoFactorPod.com for our schedule and tickets. And give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts like Mythnam did. He, she, or they said, America is chronically underserved in the funny game show department, but this podcast does a great job of filling in that gap. Thanks, Mythnam. Helen? Go Fact Yourself is a panel quiz program devised by Jim Newman and J. Keith Van Stratton and comes to you via transcription from the Angel City Brewery in downtown Los Angeles. Questions on Go Fact Yourself were compiled by the Trivia Industrial Complex. It is produced in collaboration with Maximum Fun. Go Fact Yourself's theme song and incidental music were written and performed by Jonathan Green. Maximum Fun senior producer is Laura Swisher. The show is edited by Julian Burrell. Dave McKeever is our live sound engineer. Special thanks to Christina Van Velkenberg, Leora Saul, Spencer Marks, Stella Chow, Dave Bianchi, Cody Lawrence, Daniela Zeltzer, and Christine Velada. I'm Helen Hong. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.